Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. Chasing Disaster, the Risks of Fast, Furious, or Fake News. Fast factual reporting on disasters is essential, but instant broadcasts can complicate journalism's role. The Yale Global article is written by Humphrey Hawksley and read by Hera Jaffrey. Disasters dominate the news agenda. Dystopian images of hurricanes raging in the Atlantic, earthquake-fractured streets in Mexico, apocalyptic flooding in South Asia, burning villages of Rohingya Muslims in Myanmar. Advancing technology has changed how disasters are reported, but what attracts attention and how we react remain the same as it has for centuries. The most notable change is speed, with social media delivering immediate images from anyone with a smartphone. Mainstream operations like BBC and CNN must work with individuals who may have a vested interest in manipulating the stories or images they produce. A mark of the growing concern comes from guidelines issued by Britain's National Health Service on using social media during terror attacks. The guidelines warn people away from journalists seeking personal accounts. Retelling a story could make people relive the worst parts of horrific events, the guide notes, adding that people say more than intended when vulnerable, upset, or angry. That caution will have an uphill battle in gaining traction, but indicates the intensifying debate on reporting disasters. In analyzing any disaster, journalists and the public must keep three elements in mind, sourcing, the reporter's role, and the impact of disaster coverage. First, sourcing. A false, much-recycled photograph of a shark swimming down a flooded road in Hurricane Harvey might be dismissed as harmless fun. The same cannot be said about manipulated images related to Rohingya people fleeing Myanmar. Several social media pictures purporting to show atrocities against the Rohingyas have been found to be false including images from the 2004 Asian tsunami. Likewise, photographs used to allege that the Rohingyas burned their own villages to win international sympathy have also been shown to be false. The inaccuracies gave an opening for Myanmar's de facto leader and once-revered democracy campaigner Aung San Suu Kyi to accuse the media of creating a a huge iceberg of misinformation with the aim of promoting the interests of terrorists. Her voice found an audience, even though United Nations confirmed that more than 350,000 Rohingya had been forced from their homes after militants triggered government retaliation by attacking a police station in August. Myanmar is not an isolated case of governments using fake news, to form policy or dismiss scrutiny of their own failures. Notable examples include U.S. President Donald Trump's 2012 tweet that the concept of climate change was a Chinese hoax meant to undermine the U.S. economy.
In December 2016, a fabricated quote from former Israeli Defense Minister threatened to destroy Pakistan with nuclear weapons. This prompted Pakistan to issue a reminder that it too is a nuclear weapons state. In India, in 2015, a mob murdered a Muslim farm worker after claiming to see photographs showing him slaughtering a cow, sacred in the Hindu religion. And the Chinese government initially targeted dissident artist Ai Weiwei, not for democracy campaigning, but for exposure of appalling building practices after the 2008 earthquake that killed thousands of children in badly constructed schools. Second, consider the reporter's role. Many mainstream news networks have units to authenticate images before broadcast, but these are not enough. With cut newsroom budgets, major networks no longer dominate the landscape. Many journalists find themselves beholden to organizations, including the military and aid agencies, with specific interests in how a story is told. A story might air over a major news network, but may originate from a less-than-objective environment. With technology delivering more live images and comments from disaster scenes, questions emerge about how much reporters should be involved in the story or become the story themselves. During Hurricane Harvey, the reporter became rescuer when CNN correspondent Drew Griffin and his crew rescued a man from a sinking truck. The anchor told viewers that Griffin had missed his live shot because he was saving a man's life. Griffin then put the survivor on the spot with a live interview. His questions reflected the dilemma. Are you doing all right? Your heart doing okay? John Swain, the Sunday Times journalist who exposed Khmer Rouge atrocities in Cambodia, tells how he rescued a child after a grenade was thrown into a cinema and took her to a hospital. He was reprimanded for filing the story late, although after explanations, his editor congratulated him. With today's technology, reporters make instant assessments, knowing that decisions to observe and report versus jump in to help are being live-streamed to a global audience. Unlike doctors, we have no hard and fast rules, said John Swain. We make decisions and do what we can, but you do not leave someone to die on the grounds that journalists shouldn't get involved. Disaster coverage has impact, and this third element challenges journalistic choices and balance of news coverage among locations, as well as prevention versus reaction. The Atlantic hurricanes coincided with floods crashing through South Asia, killing more than 1,000 and disrupting 40 million lives. The hurricanes, with about 100 deaths, lead bulletins while the powerful earthquake in Mexico also killed about the same number of people, but barely made it into headline. Hurricanes led most news coverage because it's rare to witness devastation of American cities while calamities in the developing world are common. But a disaster's positioning in a network schedule directly impacts money raised to help government action. In a 2011 report for the Reuters Institute, the University of London's Glenda Cooper examined the link between media coverage and aid. For 250 minutes of television airtime, 
the 2004 tsunami attracted more than $1,000 for each person helped. A South Asian earthquake, with a third of the airtime, produced just $300 per person. Social media can give traction, says Cooper, but it is the mainstream media that still counts because they lead to donations and political decisions. News trends toward the unusual and dramatic. Slow-burning disasters are often ignored until grab international attention. Among the triggers blamed for the Syrian war was the 2006 drought. It was mostly unreported, but has been blamed for pushing people into the cities and fueled unrest that led to protests and civil war five years later. News coverage of natural disasters and war have long been pivotal at tugging heartstrings and forcing changes to government policy. Journalism has always been laced with vested interests and advocacy. The danger today is the immediacy in which inaccuracy speeds around the world, fueling emotions and decisions. It may be time for mainstream broadcasters and internet providers to consider guidelines on how to deal with so-called eyewitness reporting of disasters and the dangerous global fascination that this attracts. Humphrey Hoxley has reported for the BBC on disasters and wars around the world. His next book, Asian Waters, will be published in April 2018. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.